the reading of the word and today we're reading from Mark chapter 1 verses 1 to 8 which is on page 1002 of your church bibles and of course we'll have that on the screen as well. So this is entitled John the Baptist prepares the way. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Debbie. And uh, good morning. Oh dear. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. It's getting better. This morning we turn to Mark chapter 1 uh, that's just been read for us as we begin, or as we come to uh, the second Sunday in Advent. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word this morning, and we reflect on all that you did to begin and prepare the way for Jesus to come, the greatest gift this world has ever known. Speak into our minds, our hearts, our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a little bit of a conundrums question for you to muse over for a moment. What does Sir Walter Raleigh and the head gardener at Balmoral Castle have in common. What do Sir Walter Raleigh and the head gardener at Balmoral have in common? And to put you out of the misery because you're all thinking, he's gone mad, or maybe you're thinking, I know, of course it is two Queen Elizabeths. Well, as we go back in history, legend or maybe history, I was certainly taught it at school, Sir Walter Raleigh took off his cloak and laid it over a puddle so that Queen Elizabeth I would not get her dainty little feet wet. He prepared the ground for her to walk forward. A spontaneous attempt to prepare the way for his queen. Some years ago, I went to visit Balmoral, and to my surprise, in the massive greenhouses, there were plants, flowers, that were not uh, seasonal. They were beyond seasonal, and they were being prepared so that the moment that Queen Elizabeth II 
drove down or was driven down, I don't suppose she drove down the drive to Balmoral, would see beautiful flowers blooming out of season. I assume it happens for the king now. There's a standard joke, isn't there? That wherever the queen and now the king goes, they only smell fresh paint. And it seems it's true of flowers as well. Careful planning and preparation for their majesty. Well, here we are on the second Sunday of Advent, being reminded from the reading that uh, the way for Jesus, the King of Kings, to come was prepared and is being prepared, whether spontaneously or a planned strategic provision, we all are in the business, we ought to all be in the business of preparing the way for the coming king. And if you were to go back to last week's sermon that Tom brought to us, uh, he too was expressing the fact that we are here to prepare for the second coming of the king of kings. I'm not going to deal with that bit because he's done it and I couldn't do it as well. So we're going to stick with Christmas and preparing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Those of you who are probably around my age will remember the, the musical Godspell and the recurring theme of prepare, I nearly sang it, which would not be beautiful, prepare ye the way of the Lord, prepare ye the way of the Lord, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And of course that was John the Baptist, historic, prophetic and timeless message. It was what he came into the world John the Baptist came in the world to do, to prepare the way for the Lord. I love how his message is paraphrased in the message. You know that paraphrase of the Bible? This is what it reads. The real action comes next. The star in the drama to whom I am a mere stagehand will change your life. Eat your heart out, Elise. We know you're doing well in your, uh, I'm assuming she might watch. You're doing well in your pantomime. It's going amazingly well, but you're, you're not yet the main character. Who knows? You may step up, maybe given that opportunity before the end of the run. You're not a stagehand, you're an actress but and a dancer, but one day you might be the, 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 the key character. You might be Snow White. Is it Snow White? Yep, Snow White. Well, let's bring ourselves back to earth from those giddy entertainment world uh, and think about this historic event. You look at chapter 1 and verse 1 of Mark's Gospel and he wastes no words in telling it as it is. It's an opening statement that comes and breaks into 400 years plus of silence from heaven. And it says quite simply the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Such a sentence, isn't it? The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Many people and religious leaders and studies of the law of God were 
waiting, studying the scriptures, looking for a sign, wanting to herald this great coming of the Messiah, and they missed it. Perhaps the Roman occupation of Israel had skewered their understanding as they looked for someone to deliver them from this oppression, and they looked in the wrong places. What they hadn't expected was what I'm going to describe as a weird and wonderful man. A weird and a wonderful man. N.T. Wright puts it this way, John was a voice shouting across the dreams and perhaps the nightmares of Judaism, of Herod and Caiaphas. They hadn't expected this. This weird yet wonderful man. Weird because of his lack of designer clothes and his, his cordon bleu menu. Quite the opposite, locusts and honey. Wonderful because despite his insistence, he was not the one. He was not the one. There was one who would come. There was one for whom he was preparing. And yet, how wonderful is this? The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, verse 5. Isn't this amazing? This weird bloke with a strange message who had been prophesied but they hadn't realized it and recognized him. Suddenly they're all streaming out to the countryside to find this chap by the river. Not only when they were there did they take in what he was saying, but they took it to heart and they were they repented, they turned from their sins and were baptized in the river. This historic short period was an incredible experience for perhaps hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. It was also a reminder of where the people of Israel had come from and where what was going to happen uh, very shortly after the life of Jesus. So only 30 or so years later. A reminder of when the children of Israel passed through the Red Sea and entered the promised land, having been in slavery and captivity. As they turn from their sins, they are welcomed through the waters into a new future. But also a glimpse of what would happen on the day of Pentecost. When we read in Acts chapter 2, that those who accepted his message were baptized, same thing, and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. What a, a picture of, uh, of God at work in the lives of the people at the same river. But we come back to, to Mark chapter 1. Come back to John the Baptist, the weird and wonderful preacher as he brings his message, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. See, this historic event down by the river was setting the scene for a greater one to come, for the birth of Jesus in the most humble circumstances that we'll all be reflecting on, I hope, over the next two weeks or so. But at that point, Christmas was yet to be. The coming of Jesus was yet to happen. And there is a sense, isn't it? Here we are, two Sundays before, 14, 15 days, depending on whether you include today, 
it will be Christmas Day. And we will, at least for a moment, in the course of a 12-hour day, we will, I hope, be focusing in on the baby of Bethlehem, the gift of God's own son. And so we have 14 or 15 days from this moment, if not already, to prepare ourselves and others to celebrate the coming of Jesus. I did make my Christmas cake yesterday. I think I'm a week or so later or maybe a month, who knows. It's just when I could fit it in. But I want to controversially say to all of us in the room and on the live stream, as we come on second Sunday of Advent and think about preparing the way, can we, can we dare to forget the shopping, the wrapping of the presents, the provision of the food, all the preparations for a traditional modern day Christmas? Is it possible to push that to at least to the side and focus our attention in on what is so and so most important, so most, so most important. Can we do that? Can we prepare the way for the coming king? I mean, after all, he came when the time was right. Paul says that to the Galatians. So if he came when the time was right and he came that first Christmas, we couldn't do no better, surely, than to focus our thoughts, our prayers, our worship, our activity, our sharing of the gospel, the faith, over these next 15, 14 days? Can we do better than that? This was a historic event that has importance for us today. It was also a prophetic or prophesied responsibility. Mark is the genius biography and he places this historic preacher right at the beginning of the story, as we read in verse 1. He puts this story into the context, cleverly in a way, into the context of the 300 plus prophecies of the coming of Jesus. So that met the need of his Jewish readers, for whom context, biblical history, historic context was most important. In fact, he uses two prophecies here in this uh, opening, these opening verses. The first is from Malachi that introduces us to the key Isaiah prophecy. Again in the message, watch closely, I'm sending my preacher ahead of you. He'll make the road smooth for you. Thunder in the desert. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. What Mark is doing here is identifying, I would suggest, that John was not some kind of madman or even a suspicious religious character, but he was right at the heart of what God had planned for the world, and in particular at that point, for the Jewish nation. So significant was he as a piece in the jigsaw of God's plan in reaching out to the, to the world that he had to be put right here at the beginning of this gospel. If we looked at the other gospels, and Matthew and Luke in particular, you remember what happened when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, her cousin? Immediately they met. We read in Luke chapter 1, 
When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, wait for it, the baby leaped in her womb. Then there's some words from, from Elizabeth in, in praise. And she said to Mary, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Mary and Elizabeth, very different cousins to the ones in the Tudor story, where Mary and her sister, or cousin Mary, and her cousin Elizabeth I, just didn't kind of get on, did they, if you know the story? But right from their first prenatal encounter, John, in the womb, was so excited at the coming or meeting up of, uh, of the baby Jesus in the womb that he leapt. Guess the mother would have felt that big time. Big time. See, even in the womb, John is getting ready to prepare the way for the Lord. As in fact, had whole of history and all of prophecy. You can explore the narrative from Genesis uh, at the very beginning, right the way through to the gospel stories, and you find that that preparation from God, by God, through prophets, was happening all the time. Let me just give you one kind of example of how that was happening. Luke himself traces Jesus back, his genealogy, you know all those long names you can't read through. You probably skip over them when you're reading Matthew or Luke, uh, or or, or not Mark because he doesn't do that. And, And in those long lists of names, if you go to the Matthew's Gospel, he's really precise, not just about the names in the genealogy, but he sums it up with this. There were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Imagine if one of those was 15 or 13. See how precise the planning was, how precise the preparation was for the coming of Jesus at just the right time. But then when you delve into the list in Matthew, you find something extraordinary or extraordinary. Certainly for a writing and a genealogy at the time. There's four women mentioned. Now, you wouldn't bat an eyelid today. In fact, some people might say, well, surely there should be all women in the genealogy, or all men and women in the genealogy. But no, not then. It was always in the line of the men. And right in there, we've got four women. I think a book editor at the time would have questioned their relevance and suitability. Although the Daily Mail, if there'd been an equivalent, might have liked and seen it as newsworthy and potentially salacious. These were not the most glamorous characters in history. But like John and his place in the unfolding story, they may be weird in the sense of what was expected at the time, but they were wonderful in the way in which they followed through the line of Jesus. Doesn't that give us hope? Jesus came as prophesied at the right time. His way prepared by many turns of events and people involved in the unfolding narrative. I think that's why John the Baptist was so energised and passionate. He saw hope focused in 
the person of Jesus who was about to be born. But he's clear he's not the one. John is not the one. His job was to prepare the way. In fact, he said, I couldn't even bend down and tie his bootstraps. Well, maybe sandals. In fact, as I read a bit earlier on, the real action comes next, says John. The star in this drama, to whom I am a mere stagehand, will change your life. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. His baptism a holy baptism by the Holy Spirit who will change you from the inside out. So I would say in closing that this message of John and this person of John who's named as John the Baptist, not only was he prophesied, not only did he come in real time at a real place and God used him incredibly to prepare the way. He is an example to each and all of us. So I'm not being rude, not trying to be rude, but you are a weird and wonderful bunch of people. We're all weird and wonderful, aren't we? Wonderfully made in the image of God, the psalmist tells us that, but weird because we're all different and we all have different personalities, characteristics and stories. I wonder how courageous we will be in preparing the way for the coming of the Lord of Lords and King of Kings over these next two weeks. Jack Sovereti and Catherine Jenkins have released a single, uh, and it's this, it goes, not singing again, what, would the, what the world needs now is love. There's, that's the only thing there is too little of. It's true, isn't it? The world needs the love that was dis- demonstrated and displayed in the coming of Jesus, just as much as they need hope. But to receive love and to receive hope, they need to be told the truth. And I want to encourage us over these next two weeks to be spontaneous, a bit like Sir Walter Raleigh, and prepare the way of the Lord by what we tell people, what we show to people, how we live out our Christmas amongst people, but also to be strategic and and settle into the, and use the ways in which we're prepared. We have such an enormous amount of of events over the next two Sundays and uh, in between. Let's make use of those opportunities as we invite people to come and hear and see and join in and discover the truth. Let's be spontaneous. Let's use the strategic planned events to prepare the way of the Lord. Because you die. Weird and wonderful though we are, are being sent. The end of this service, Nick I think will say, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And we will say, will you say it? Will you finish that line? It'll be on the screen, but it's not enough to have words. It needs to be accompanied by 
action. Let's pray. Father, help us to step into the footsteps of, of John the Baptist. Help us to prepare the way for Jesus, particularly as, as he relates and is reaching out to people in our community, the parish and wider. We ask, Lord God, for a harvest because we've been willing to go. In Jesus' name, amen.